morning. In case you're wondering, um, Reuben was reading from uh, Paul's letter there, and uh, Paul was talking about grace overflowing. Nigel and I were rather more worried about our tank overflowing this morning, so that's why there was a bit of disconcertion there uh, in the ranks there. But anyway, uh, let's set that aside for the moment. But um, we are going to be dealing with some more of our church matters this morning. Uh, and this morning uh, we're going to be presenting uh, some more of our updated church policies. And we've purposely staggered these mornings over a couple of months uh, because we're aware that this is not our normal Sunday morning fair. Uh, having said that, we are absolutely convinced of the necessity of having these policies in place uh, and of explaining some of, of our thinking behind them. Now, it's fair to say that none of these policies have been arrived at easily. Um, it's been a slow process uh, during which we've, we've prayerfully considered what the Bible teaches. Uh, we've looked at how other evangelical churches uh, have approached matters like this. And we have endeavoured to ensure that these policies are a good fit for Castlereagh Fellowship. But I have to say up front that baptism and church membership are the two policies that uh, caused us the most debate and consideration uh, and are the two that will perhaps have the most direct effect on Castlereagh Fellowship just as we, as we move forward. And of course, Nigel and Jeff, being the nice chaps that they are, decided that I should introduce not one of them, but both of them. Uh, so please do be kind to me this morning. Uh, seriously, I'm actually very, very happy to present both these policies because as we worked uh, our way through the various issues before the Lord, we actually did come to a real consensus in our approach and we had to travel sometimes uh, a fair bit on this but we came to a real consensus on our approach and I'm convinced that the final documents uh, are rooted in biblical truth and provide us with a firm foundation as we move forward collectively as a church as a local church and I think this will be good for us this will be good for us and it will strengthen us as a fellowship of God's people and remove any possible ambiguities. So, to baptism. I want to read, first of all, this morning, by, uh, I want to read this morning uh, some of the words of our Lord in Matthew chapter 28, verses 16 to 20. I'm sure you've all got your Bibles with you in there, following Nigel's encouragement recently. Um, Matthew chapter 28, and we're going to read verses 16 to 20. We know it, of course, as the Great Commission. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. 
And we know that God will bless the reading of his holy word. And we know that these verses will feed into some of the, the issues that we're looking at this morning. I'm not going to take you through uh, our policy on baptism line by line. I'm sure most, if not all, of the, of the folks that are gathered here this morning understand what believer's baptism is. We've taught it and we've practiced it over the years. And if by any chance you don't understand, then do come to our baptismal uh, service this evening uh, whenever Jeff will be outlining more of the biblical truth that lies behind it and Craig and Margot will actually be going through the waters of baptism and the levels are looking good at the moment here I have to tell you. Um, having said that let me just pick out a couple of truths about baptism uh, by immersion that, that shine out for me. First of all this it is a visible sign or symbol of an invisible reality. A visible symbol of an invisible reality. A sinner who repents of their sin and accepts Christ as their saviour comes at that very moment into the good of his sacrifice on the cross. And we've been thinking about that this morning with Reuben. He or she die to their old sinful nature and receive a new life, new life through Jesus Christ. Baptism for the believer is just such a beautiful symbol of that transaction that takes place at the moment of salvation. Baptism, of course, doesn't make the believer any more secure in their salvation. Nor does it provide with them any additional resources for living the Christian life. But it is an act of obedience to Jesus' clear command that we've just read now. And it's a clear demonstration of their commitment to him as Saviour and Lord. Whenever we come to the book of the, of the Acts, of Acts, which is of course where we find so many of church, our church principles set out for us there. Salvation and baptism are always closely associated. Indeed, the New Testament simply does not envisage an unbaptized believer. The first step in Christian life in the New Testament is always baptism. Always. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. You don't need, need to look these up. Acts chapter 2 verse 38. The crowds asked Peter what to do to be saved and he answered, repent and be baptized. Acts 2 41 those who accepted his message were baptized. Romans 6, 3-4. Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death. In order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too might live a new life. Paul, as he writes to the church in Rome, simply assumes that they had all been baptised. It doesn't seem to even occur to him that they wouldn't be baptised. And of course, it was the first thing that Jesus commands his disciples to do when making new disciples. And only baptism by immersion can possibly symbolise the death and burial of the old nature and resurrection into new, new life. So a visible symbol of an invisible reality. 
But secondly, it is a public witness to the fact that you are a born again Christian. A public witness to the fact that you are a born again Christian. You see, baptism is not something that we do in a corner. It's not some sort of a a strange ceremony carried out by a, a secret society behind closed doors. It's intended to be a very public statement of witness to the fact that you are a born again believer. That's why we encourage participants to invite their friends, invite their family to come along. They publicly acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Saviour and Lord. And what they're doing whenever they go through the, the waters of baptism, they're raising the king's standard above their lives in a very personal way. This evening, Margot and, and Craig will be baptised. And as they do that, they proclaim their allegiance to Jesus before family and friends. And we, as the people of God, rejoice alongside them. It's a wonderful thing to do. You will, of course, be aware that many fellow Christians adhere to the practice of infant baptism. We in Castlereagh Fellowship, however, do not accept that this fits the model as is clearly set out in Scripture. Only baptism by immersion fits the symbolism that is called for. But perhaps the most obvious objection to infant baptism is the fact that baptism is without exception for believers. Infants are simply incapable of repentance and belief in Jesus Christ as Saviour and Lord. Some will argue that infant baptism is the, the new covenant counterpart of, of circumcision under the old covenant. However, in the only New Testament passage where circumcision and, and baptism is linked, and you'll find that in Colossians 2, 11, 13, the passage pictures how believers have been cut free from their old sinful nature, the flesh, and gain new life in Jesus Christ. This is a work of Christ, uh, is the work of Christ, and illustrates God's work in salvation. It is the circumcision of Christ. And baptism is for those who have been thus transformed by Christ. So Castlereagh's stance on baptism is clear. We understand that biblical baptism is by immersion for every believer. You will know from our governance policy that it is a requirement for each elder to teach and to practice it. We encourage and indeed expect all, uh, <coughs> all believers to be baptised. However, we do recognise that some of our fellow brothers and sisters sincerely believe that infant baptism is a perfectly acceptable form of baptism. And whilst we disagree, we believe the matter to be important, certainly. We hold that this is a matter of secondary importance. And if that view is sincerely held, should not prevent a believer from membership of Castlereagh Fellowship. 
The issue of baptism is a matter of conscience before the Lord. And we want to respect that. We do not insist upon it as a requirement for membership. In fact, it would be hypocritical almost for us to take any other stance. Because as you well know, we invite respected speakers to our platform who don't share our views on this issue. And incidentally, whilst we do not practice infant baptism, we are very happy to join with parents and grandparents in an act of dedication for any child. This confers no blessing directly on the child, but rather it's a, it's a public commitment uh, by the parents to bring the child up to know Bible truths and to pray for their, their personal salvation. And of course, it's a joy for us as a community of God's people to join with them in that prayer and to support them as we can. So much for baptism, and the levels are still looking good. Don't panic, Nigel. So, let's move on to our membership policy. <clears throat> but first of all, if you've got your Bible still handy there, uh, let's turn to the book of the Acts, please. Book of Acts, and we'll read... Chapter 2, we'll read a few verses there. <clears throat> so we're going to read from chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. <clears throat> and it's entitled, the little passage is entitled in my Bible, The Fellowship of the Believers. Verse 40, 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe, and many wonders and miraculous signs were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. And then if you turn over the page there to chapter 5, we're going to read verses 12 to 14. Chapter 5, verses 12 to 14. <clears throat> the apostles performed many miraculous signs and wonders among the people and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade no one else dared join them even though they were highly regarded by the people nevertheless more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number Acts chapter 2, they were together, they met together, they ate together, and the Lord added to their number. Acts chapter 5, they met together, more and more believed in the Lord, and were added to their number. And I think you can see where we're going with that. We're now in Castlereagh Fellowship's 30th year of existence. And for those 30 years, we have never had a formal membership. Instead, we had a, an informal understanding whereby if, if someone subscribed to the fellowship's beliefs, if they attended regularly, 
and consider this to be their spiritual home and their local church, we, as the leadership, in turn, consider them to be members. And we use that wonderful term, we deemed you to be a member. Um, never had to decline that quite uh, properly, but anyway. Um, however, after some general consideration, due consideration, we decided to move away from that uh, loose arrangement to a, a formal membership. It seems both prudent with regard to our times and to the scriptural example to place our membership on a more clearly defined basis. In our policy on membership, we set out the rationale behind that, uh, based as it is on New Testament teaching. And I can say up front that just as baptism is a given in the New Testament, so also is the principle of belonging to a local church. The concept of a Christian who doesn't belong to a church or who wanders around different churches from week to week is completely foreign to the Bible. A church is its membership. Now, if you read through the New Testament, you'll not find the term church membership there. But the reality of church membership runs through everything you read about the early church. Everyone, insiders and outsiders, knows what it is meant when Christians refer to the church doing whatever. Acts chapter 11, verse 26, Barnabas and Saul met with the church. Acts 21, uh, 12, verse 1, Herod arrested some who belonged to the church. Acts 14, 27, they gathered the church together. So we can see clearly that to be a church member is to be one of the individuals who constitute a church. They and everyone else knows exactly who they are. A formal membership removes any possible ambiguity. We also acknowledge the challenges of the times in which we live. A formal membership pro provides clear acceptance of the beliefs and practices of Castlereagh Fellowship and provides some degree of legal protection for both the elders and the trustees. So what are the benefits of a formal church membership? I'm sure you'll remember uh, back a few weeks ago whenever Jeff introduced our governance policy. He did touch on membership where those two issues overlapped. And I don't want to repeat all that he said, uh, but maybe it's a, a fair summary to say that he pointed out the necessity of a clearly defined membership when it came to matters such as elders' pastoral responsibilities, submission to elders, and church discipline. And whilst those are indeed necessary issues, they are only one side of the coin. The other side of the coin is this. Identification with a local church is a very positive thing. A real blessing. You only have to think of any Sunday morning, this Sunday morning, when we have this wonderful opportunity of gathering together 
to praise and to worship God, the worthy one. To break bread, to sing and worship our Saviour. Coming together collectively. You know, there's something very special about that. And then there's, there's fellowship. That sort of sense of a, of a spiritual family. People who understand each other's struggles and, and their burdens. And seek to encourage and, and support each other in their Christian walk. Jesus commands, love one another. Paul commands, carry each other's burdens. And Peter urges, each one of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others. And we can obey those commands only through membership of a local church. There's also the motivation that comes with being clearly defined as part of a local church. Together, we can spur each other on to reach out with the gospel as we seek to serve our Lord. It also encourages us on our daily walk with Christ as we sit under Bible teaching together. It also means that there will be always someone there who cares for our spiritual well-being. It brings accountability. If we lose our focus, if we drift away from the Christian pathway, there will be someone there. It should be clearly understood that introducing a formal membership in Castlereagh Fellowship is not intended as any box-ticking exercise. It requires real commitment. I need hardly point out that two pictures of a, a New Testament fellowship are of a building, which we find in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 5, and a human body, 1 Corinthians 12, verses 12 to 30. A building with each member as a stone, bonded together into the structure, each bearing weight and forming an essential part of the building, built on the cornerstone, which is Christ Jesus. And secondly, as parts of the body, each with a unique role, very different, yet each essential to the function of the whole. Being a member of Castlereagh Fellowship is a two-way street. God has given you a role to play in the life of this church that only you can play. I need you and you need me. Membership requires commitment. You will notice whenever you get the document that we use the phrase, members are encouraged when it comes to many aspects of church life. We've already dealt with baptism, but members such as attendance, prayer, giving, unity, service, these things are essential to the life of Castlereagh Fellowship. These things shape us as a people of God. And whilst we understand that, you know, many of us live busy lives and some of family commitments, young children, health issues, whatever, we actively encourage members to immerse themselves. Well, I'm not talking about baptism just at the moment, I think. Uh, we, we actively encourage you to immerse yourselves in the life of Castlereagh Fellowship. A formal membership is an expression of that commitment. It also puts on record that members fully support Castlereagh Fellowship's statement of faith. Those essential matters of doctrine upon which we stand. And they recognise 
and that they recognise the authority of the elders as spelt out in our governance policy. It also has to be said that church membership is a God-given privilege. Think for a moment of life under some of the totalitarian regimes that view Christianity as a threat to be crushed at all costs. Where Christians, if identified, are killed or imprisoned in brutal camps. Believers who have no freedom whatsoever. If you're here on Wednesday evening, Derek Maxwell of SGA told us of one individual, Jaga, living in the wild and desolate steppes of Mongolia. He became a believer through listening to Trans World Radio. He cannot gather to worship. He has no fellowship other than listening to the Christian radio. Can you imagine how difficult life must be for him? I repeat, to be part of a local church is just such a blessing. God doesn't leave us to govern ourselves and declare ourselves as citizens. He has given us this institution to affirm us as believers and guide and shape us as his people. The church is not some sort of a club or a service provider either. Rather, an outpost or an embassy. Our citizenship is in heaven, Paul tells us. We are strangers and aliens in this present world. And we wait for a coming day when every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. But until then, there's this place where citizens of the king can find sanctuary. The local church represents Christ's rule now. It affirms and protects his citizens now. It proclaims the truth of his word. We bow and worship him now. And we proclaim to the world outside there, Jesus is Lord. What a marvellous thing it is to be a member of the church. So, in conclusion, if I have done any sort of justice at all to my brief this morning, you will be asking two questions. First of all, how do I become a member of Casserell Fellowship? And secondly, where do I sign? Well, once you have received and read the various policies, it's a simple matter of indicating to us your interest and then meeting with the elders to discuss membership. And once Accepted by the eldership, you will be formally welcomed into Castlereagh Fellowship. And, oh yes, you will be asked to sign a membership form. You'll be given, today on their way out, you'll be given a a copy of both uh, our policies on baptism and membership. Can I urge you to not simply fold them up and stick them in the back of your Bible? Please do read them. We've spent a lot of time preparing them. And if you have any questions or, or something isn't exactly clear, then we've set aside an evening on the uh, Wednesday, the 5th of April, when you can raise any questions you wish. Or if there's something that can't wait until then, some burning issue, we will do our best to, to make ourselves available for that. Thank you very much for listening. And I'm going to maybe ask Jeff if he would uh, just close in prayer there. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this Castlereagh Fellowship podcast. For more podcasts, Bible teaching videos, and to see what's going on at the church, please visit our website, castlereaghfellowship.com. God bless.